Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Today we're doing a special installment of Why I Invested that's featuring the founder of Curve, Shea Baelish. Shea is joining us as well as the lead investor on the deal, Henry Deshays of New Fund Capital. Uh, we'll talk through the decisions on investment and why Shea chose New Fund and New Stack. Here's the special installment of Why I Invested with Curve. All right, let's go ahead and kick things off. We have Shea Baelish of Curve and Henry Deshays of New Fund Capital. Uh, we're excited to have Curve as a recent addition to the New Stack portfolio. And again, to be working with Henry Deshays, who led the round. Uh, guys, thanks for making the time. Nick, thank you. Our pleasure. So Henry, I believe Curve is now the uh, third portfolio company we have in common. Does that sound right? It is. It is. There must be something going on here. We've got the, uh, the similar name, New Fund and New Stack, and now, now similar portfolio as well. I think we should emerge somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, well, guys, thanks for making the time. Shay, maybe we could just start out. You could tell us a bit about your background and, and how that led you to Curve. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start with my, my personal background and the origin story. A bit of humble beginnings. I grew up on an island in rural Nova Scotia, Eastern Canada, literally a 400 person island. And I, the only reason I bring that up is it's a bit of an odd community in the sense that it's a hotbed for athletic talent. So there's actually been a couple studies published on it. I was a, a basketball player, kind of a horrible Canadian. I don't skate, I don't, I don't ski, I don't really follow <laughs> hockey, but I, I played basketball and played at the university level where I fell in love with more just general scientific inquiry. I, I did a PhD between medicine, psychology, and kinesiology, and then did a postdoctoral fellowship at U of T, where I held a, a Banting fellowship in the fa faculty of kinesiology. At the time at U of T, and I think this still holds true, University of Toronto is really the epicenter of the machine learning revolution. A lot of the pioneering work occurred just uh, down the road from where my office was. And so I became quite fascinated with this and, and quickly realized that machine learning as applied to computer vision was going to really change a lot of the methodologies within kinesiology, mainly how we measure human movement. And so traditionally, we've had either subjective evaluation of like looking at people's bodies, people essentially eyeballing it, or we've had kind of cumbersome, costly hardware, wearables or whatnot, the things that don't really scale. And so this hardware problem is being transformed into a software problem with machine learning now. Now you can take a video and measure someone's movement with clinical grade accuracy. And that's something that we want to be out in front of. And so we built the company around this idea. Love it. And then Henry, can you tell us a bit about your background and maybe give us an overview of the thesis at Newfund? Sure. My, my accent will uh, betray very soon already. Uh, originally from France, uh, I came to the US in uh, 09 to finish my studies at Stanford. I had a huge aha moment at that point where, you know, where the culture where I'm coming from, you know, when you have a problem, it's an opportunity to complain about it and uh, and drink wine. And discovered in the in the Bay Area that uh, you know a problem is actually an opportunity to solve it and make a business out of it. I got the entrepreneurial bug, co-founded StartX, which is a, an accelerator for the, the Stanford ecosystem. Co-founded a startup, being French, it was a fashion marketplace. We died three times, pivoted four, uh, eventually found a good product market fit, raised the Series A in 2013, sold the company in 2014. Then came back to StartX with the idea of, uh, you know, like building another business. Turns out that I was trying to make Android investments and realized at one point that I would, uh, you know, like back 
founders more than I would back my next uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. And that's where I, uh, I realized that uh, maybe a venture should be the way to go. So I joined Newfound early 2017 as a partner. And Newfound in a nutshell, despite the name, it's actually fund number two. Uh, we have 250 million under management, cross-border. So in Europe would be uh, the typical series investor. In the US, we will do like all the flavor of, of seeds. The investment fees is, so if you look at our portfolio page, uh, at first glance, it doesn't make sense. You'll see consumer, enterprise, hardware, health IT, you name it. Mm-hmm. The one thing that those companies will have in common is what we believe is a very strong founder market fit. So passion, commitment, team dynamics, capacity to execute. And I'd say like the knowledge that the expected value of a startup is negative. You should be crazy to, uh, to start a company. But despite knowing that, you know, like the founders have a passion of solving a problem, a vision of where the market is, is going, and they were compelled to do it uh, regardless. So very much industry agnostic, uh, bottom-up approach with like the founding team being the first lecture grid. And uh, once we validated that, looking at the opportunity and so forth. But I'd say like all coming from the fact that we don't know what we don't know. And we're looking for founders that you know have a, a counterintuitive approach. Very good. I mean, these, these founders that are super connected with, with the domain and the problem that they're solving, are they often resonate with us and uh, end up teaching us a lot more about the domain than than we could ever learn on our own. But, uh, you know, in light of that, let's go back to Shay. So Shay, give us like a one-liner, a one-line description of Curve. Sure. We measure human motion with video and we use that information to help people build better and healthier bodies. Now, I can give you a more provocative one-liner if you like. One of our advisors, and I'm not sure if I entirely agree with this, but has been describing of what we're doing is essentially building standardized testing. So SAT testing, but for below the neck for health and performance. I'm the user. I hold up my phone. The subject is in front of the phone and all the different points of their biomechanics, you can measure and, and trace and get a sense for how accurate the motion is and, and how precise each of their, their movements are. Exactly. Yeah. So this technology has really only become viable, like commercially viable in the last several years. And so we're seeing like a really, really powerful increases across the board in various different techniques so as to measure human motion, to really get at those biomechanics, the physics of the human body from really crude video, essentially just monocular video taken from a mobile device, a webcam, whatever it may be. And the underlying assumption, this is a foundational assumption, which is the future of measuring human movement is is computer vision. And the reason for that, and the reason why we think the future is the future of measuring human movement is, is, is video is the medium of video has such an amazing ratio of the amount of information that it contains versus the friction of, of actually collecting it. It's very easy. Point and click, get a video. But the amount of information in that video far outweighs a lot of the other wearables and other types of information that can, right. that can come in. Right. So tell us more about the, the problem you're solving. So we talked a bit about the tech and the power behind the tech, but you know, what problem are you solving and, and how does Curve address it? Right. I'll, I'll start more macro and then work my down to the actual micro-specific problems that we're Good. solving. So musculoskeletal issues, such as you know, lower back pain, a torn ACL, a torn Achilles, you know, given Kevin Durant a couple of nights ago, really unfortunate incident with the Warriors. Yep. These issues, depending on the country, so in most developed kind of, well, I guess we'll just call, I shouldn't say developed, but Western countries, like North America and the US, between 14 and 16% of the total healthcare spend can be attributed to, in some way, musculoskeletal issues. It's a massive burden on the healthcare system. And so primarily, the way that muscular issues are assessed is, is at least one major component is assessing people's motion. So to give you a specific example, 
someone has a stroke, they may have an asymmetric gait, so they may have motor, motor impairments on one side of their body that impacts how they walk. Measuring how they're improving their gait pattern, their walking pattern, for example, is really informative for the rehabilitation plan. And so traditionally, the way these things have been measured has been, again, either just eyeballing it, subjective assessments, or some largely costly, costly hardware. And only now what you're seeing is some of these frontier technologies with computer vision integrated with machine learning that are able to assess from, from essentially readily available technology. The important point here in the actual problems we're solving. So if you, you were to ask an economist, you know, what, what value is being created by Curve Labs? It's essentially that we're making motion capture cheaper by democratizing it, by relying on readily available technology, right? And we're also making it far more accessible. So right now, the current problems that we solve are groups that want to scale motion capture, groups that larger healthcare institutions or technology companies, or for example, connected fitness companies that want to scale objective assessments of human movement. They can't do it because they can't train all the people to go eyeball it. And it's really hard to scale hardware. And so they're looking at technologies like Curve Labs. Yeah, it's like a perfect example of disruption, right? You bring in technology that's an order of magnitude cheaper and easier to implement. And by doing so, not only do you serve the, the existing base of folks that are addressing that through alternative and expensive methods, but you're increasing the total market of people that can use this technology to capture the data. So it hits a number of different themes that you know we look for here. Disruption, competing with non-consumption, market expansion through a much simpler, efficient, elegant solution. So yeah. anyway, I, I don't want to go too deep on that before we kind of get into customer sets. Can you, can you talk about the target customer and, and sort of the market profile? Yeah, I definitely can. So right now, it's important to note that the way we've built Curve Labs up from the beginning is we, we made a choice at the, at the outset, rather than going and raising a, a very large venture round with essentially a pitch deck and, and a promise, we wanted to de-risk and fund the company by working with larger healthcare groups. And so what we did is we built an API licensing model. And so our current customer base, again, are these larger groups, institutions that are in need of scaling objective measures of human motion. Our first customer is a group called Fusionetics. They're based out of Atlanta. These are very notable athletic therapists that have been working in uh, professional basketball, the NBA, for a long time. I'm a Canadian, if that's not clear already. And you know, Steve Nash is kind of a, definitely an icon here in Canada. He was a famous basketball player. When Steve Nash went through his Hall of Fame speech, he personally thanked the CEO of this company because he kept him healthy for a number of years. And so the problem that FusionX has encountered is that they, they struggle, first of all, to train all of these individuals to implement their procedure to estimate injury risk and manage injuries. And also that because of the, the kind of the, the problem of communication, the lapses of communication, and just the problem of training human eyeballs, their product was a bit crude, at least in their mind, of where it could ultimately go. And so they reached out to us after we won a competition with the NFL, the last year's Super Bowl. And so they, they, they can assess human movement at scale. And it doesn't need to be a trained practitioner in the room. As you mentioned earlier, it could be an intern. It could be it could be someone's daughter or son. All you have to do is hold the camera and point, point and click. And so that's a really big value, value opportunity. For and why did you go with the API model first, the licensing? We wanted to be able to generate revenue from the bat and de-risk our technology. So our technology sits at the nexus of computer science and biomechanics. Let's just say crudely exercise science. I have a background in exercise science. Everyone else on the team has a background in computer science and engineering. 
we needed to work with a very talented group that could help de-risk our technology. We needed to make sure we were solving very clear problems, scalable problems first. So effectively, if I had to be concise, this would allow us to de-risk our technology and actually generate revenue. Once we got to a point where we were kind of raw and profitable, then we could go raise kind of a growth round to focus on the next opportunity and really owning more of the upside of this technology. Yeah. So tell us more about that, that long-term vision for Curve. You know, what, is, what does the future look like? We believe that every clinician that touches musculoskeletal issues will eventually be using some sort of video to objectively assess their patients. And so we want that platform to be Curve. So when someone deploys a balance assessment for someone who maybe has just been concussed, instead of them hooking up a bunch of expensive wearables or having them stand on a pad, we simply pull out their phone and take a video and that's objectively assessed with Curve technology. The next phase for us to really own the upside of this technology, what we're building is essentially a SaaS platform, so a web and mobile platform. It's really an augmentation tool. So it allows clinicians and their associated employees to deploy this technology at scale. And so if you're a physical therapist in Northern Canada or in Northern Cameroon, you can use the Curve technology to, to better assess these physical assessments. Awesome. And let's let's move over to Henry here. Henry, can you... Uh... Maybe take us back to the first meeting you had with Shay. You know, what were your, your initial thoughts and reactions? Yeah. So I met Shay, I think it was mid-January, if I recall correctly. Shay was in, uh, in Europe presenting Curve, and uh, one of my uh, colleagues was there and said, hey, I met this guy. I think they're doing something pretty interesting. He's going to be in the Bay Area in a, in, in a few weeks. So uh, we met, if I recall correctly, in front of a Whole Food supermarket. And... Uh, <laughs> Shay was, was very noticeable because, first of all, he's awesome, uh, but also he had uh, he has his carry-on luggage with him. And went to, uh, we went to Phil's Coffee, started to uh, discuss about the company. And, uh, you know, I tried to basically, like, talk on one-on-one and understand where he was coming from, why he was working on Curve. And I was very impressed by, I would say, at the end of, of the day, how straightforward his responses were both on usually the first interaction especially the first you know 30 minutes with an entrepreneur is it's kind of like are they going to explain to me how awesome they are uh, how fantastic <laughs> the company is and you're almost waiting for those 30 minutes to end so, okay now we can have a conversation yep, yep. and <laughs> turns out we, we we had that conversation right off the bat i think like the, the you know like maybe like the second interaction was like hey you know like i'm talking to like different companies in, in the Bay Area and we're struggling with with that with that element with, with a client you know what what would you do and next thing you know we started to uh, talk about the, the business the opportunities and after that I got to talk to a couple of uh, I think initially advisors that uh, she had that turned out to very quickly to become investors I'm like okay this really got to be something a month and a half later we uh, we were investors in the company I think the degree of technology founder fit on this one is one of the strongest signals I've gotten. And our first few meetings were over Zoom, you know, over the phone with video (laughs) chat. And I had to go to Toronto to really see it and see if it was as real as, you know, I was getting over the phone. And the impact that I think I had in person after connecting with Shay and the team was was similar to the one that, that you had in San Francisco. But, you know, what what hesitations, if any, did you have, Henry, on on Curve Labs? The hesitation that turned out to actually be the investment fees is with this technology, Curve can solve a lot of problems, and there's a lot of like potential applications. You know, like uh, she mentioned Fusionetics, but you know, like what 
what is the market that Curve will will tackle and focus on? Is it going to be professional athletes? Is it going to be hobbyist athletes? Yep. Uh, are we going to more focus on on the healthcare when you know we know that you know physical therapists half of uh, their job is actually trying to identify if there are an, if there is an injury or what are the risks of injury and therefore the product market fit per se you know is not there yet because like we we need to we need to decide you know what market we're going to go after but then back to the investment thesis the question is do i have the confidence that say not only has the framework to go and discover all those markets and the grid to you know decide which one they're going to tackle the answer was definitely yes and that's i think that was the the moment where we decided to invest and one of, one of the things that i'm pretty excited about is that as there are new use cases as there are new clients the the product is actually becoming stronger because for every video you mm-hmm. know like there is a new measurement there is a new body angle and there is a, a new feedback loop that say oh if x occur if we notice x then y is going to occur mm-hmm. and therefore that discovery process is going to make the company even better poised to you know like find correlations in potential injuries that you know like human eye will not even be able to uh, to do yeah i think a lot of founders talk about the data that they're capturing and how it expands their advantage but this one in particular the moat gets broader and deeper with every uh, subject that's assessed. So any other thoughts on what made Curve compelling from an investment standpoint? There's one thing I've discovered in Canada, but that was not actually um, part of the investment decision. But, you know, as there are like a lot of founders wondering, oh, I'm I'm building a startup, should I do it in, you know, like the Bay Area or should I think of other places? As Shay mentioned, you know, like the company is very R&D, uh, heavy with a lot of engineers. I may be wrong on the numbers, but I believe that for you know every thousand dollars spent on R and D in Canada, you're actually indeed spending five hundred bucks, right? Yeah, uh, even a little bit less, but yes, that's that's correct. Canada has what we call shred credits, scientific research and development credits from the government, which is essentially this lump sums paid back at the end of the year when you do your taxes based on the amount of R and D you do. It's an incentive, a federal incentive for more R and D to occur in Canada. We also have some other programs as well. Uh, this is a bit of a plug for Canada, I guess, but I, I have to do it. There's also a uh, National Research Council that is more targeted towards specific, very tough kind of R&D problems that will fund with non-repayable grants money as well. And so there's, there's funds from there. They can overlap, obviously, those two sources of funds. And then there's more regional bodies that are trying to promote economic development in certain areas. There are a lot of them are focused on technology as well, and so they'll be able to provide non-dilutive sources of funding that can uh, that can help a Canadian company scale as well. It's kind of amazing the amount of non-dilutive capital that that you have access to, in addition to strategic partners like New Fund that can help support this team and make sure that the tech is cutting edge, as well as all this market development and, and leadership work that that you're focused on. Um, but I do kind of want to talk briefly about our decision and kind of our analysis. Um, so fortunately, uh, we have co-invested with Henry in the past and have a great relationship there and a lot of mutual respect. So th- Henry, thank you for sending Curve Labs our way. We, we owe you one for that. But Henry sent me this deck and we engaged you know, as a team. And uh, very quickly, the deal lead on this, on this process, Chester, was very bullish on the opportunity. And, you know, I'm always hesitant with, with startups that uh, have too much excitement too early. 
because typically we're looking for that momentum and that signal to increase as the relationship develops um, and not get too hot too early. But this is one that that had both. Um, it was a really strong opportunity that hit on many of our investment themes. And the signal on our investment and our confidence in Shea and his team increased with every engagement we had. I think that the hallmarks and the reason we liked Curve Labs so much was the simplicity of the user application. You had taken a problem where the solutions in the market were complicated and over-designed. And we at Newstack often invest in very complex, heavy hardware component solutions. So we look at a range of startups that often have IoT and deep tech and hard tech as a component, but that's also kind of attuned our view to seeing solutions that are over-designed. And in this application, you know, there are these body suits on the market. There are these ball sensors all over the body suits. There, there are a lot of hardware instantiations of motion capture that are very expensive. And to a certain degree, were designed with the right intentions at the time. But now with advancements in video quality and the proliferation of mobile devices, the tech that you can implement and get incredibly accurate capture of motion uh, was astonishing to us. And it goes to the earlier point about disruption. Um, you could implement a much cheaper and much more versatile solution than a lot of these over, over-designed solutions we see. And we see a lot of them, whether it be hardware or using AI where automation works or using blockchain where blockchain is not necessary. Uh, there are many founders that are bringing a gun to a knife fight in this business. And that was not the case here. Uh, it was quite the opposite. The other thing we really liked early on is that you were addressing an existing budget line item. This is a problem that people address today, but they use humans to do it. The human eye, watching a patient or an athlete or an individual perform various motions and exercises, and they use their subjective assessment to rank those motions. That, quite clearly to us, is an inexact science and a poor way of doing it. Not to mention you have to pay you know, a high-priced expert to conduct those procedures. Um, so the fact that this was, quote-unquote, tractable, that's another theme of ours. You could have a non-scientific person or a non-engineering person perform a function with much more accuracy than the expert. You know, that really jumped out at us. I think we also love the long-term vision here. You know, you using this motion capture as a potential alternative diagnostic and therapeutic solution to very expensive and invasive procedures that is a long-term vision, and it's a key application that, Shay, you and I have spoken a lot about. It's not what you're delivering on today, but I think it's very much of interest to the insurance community, to the healthcare community, and to the public at large to have solutions that are less invasive, less expensive, and have higher efficacy than you know our current healthcare system. So at Newstack, you know, we look for a really strong beachhead. You've got it. The API licensing model with Fusionetics and your funnel is super compelling as a near-term focus area, and you've delivered. You've delivered real revenue, material revenue in your beachhead, but we also look for huge upside. We look for big thinkers with broad visions, and uh, Shay and the team have it. You know, Shay, you were very forthcoming with me about 
sort of learning on the job here and not being a, a business guy jumping into tech, but being a, a science and and you have some academic background and, and you're learning and growing and taking your journey in sort of the business and the, the startup world. We're very hesitant and careful reviewing folks that don't have that business background. And it was beyond impressive to us how far you've come as a leader of people and as a market-focused, customer-focused CEO. I didn't quite realize the impact of that until I visited Toronto and I met the team. You know, meeting Nick and, and Alan and Ben and Jason and, and Thomas and the rest of the guys. There's this uncommon, almost irrational commitment to the mission at Curve Labs, <laughs> <laughs> as well as each other. You guys, yes, I yes. mean, it's like a family. You don't see that a lot in this business. You would be shocked, Shay, but there are way more mercenaries in this business. There are way more hired guns. San Francisco in general, no offense to Henry and you know where he's located and many of the startups there, but it's, it's a culture of mercenaries. It's serial founders working on problems they should be working on, not problems they must be working on. And that sort of mentality trickles down through the whole organization. You know, the people they hire are also mercenaries. I think the average duration of an engineer at a startup is maybe a year or less. There's not this intense, long-term, loyal commitment to a true mission that we like to invest in. And, and you guys have that in spades. You well, know, thank you. And Nick, you asked me earlier, you know, what was my original hesitation? So I must confess a scene, you know, at first when I looked at some of the engineers' backgrounds, like, hey, Shay, I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, like they've got the pedigree to actually, you know, like achieve what you have in mind. And his answer was literally bullshit. I'm going <laughs> to stack any of my engineer in front of your Berkeley or, or, or Stanford machine learning. I said, all right, challenge accepted. And it, turned out, it turns out he was completely right. Yeah. yeah, not to, um, I mean, you're making me a little uncomfortable with all these compliments here, but uh, I, I, as an underdog, I always like to kind of be challenged. <laughs> but no, I um, to credit to my team, and if I could take a second to talk about the team, I think, yes, okay, I, I have recruited a, a very talented team of underdogs, but we're like true, genuine underdogs. And Nick and I, as the primary co-founders really leading the company, have set, and I've only really recently recognized this as I've been doing various different one-on-one meetings and getting feedback and evaluations that the culture we've set is very demanding, but it's, it's, a, it's a type of demanding that everyone loves. They love to be in there because there's real structure, there's real deadlines. And we have this David versus Goliath type of approach. I mean, I, I said this and this, I always love to give these intimate details and maybe, maybe they're too intimate, but you know, Nick and I grew up from very humble beginnings and maybe we wear it too much as a source of pride, but you know, really humble beginnings, really rough beginnings. And, and if you look at us, you can see scars, sometimes literal, of, of ways we've been able to suffer through things. You know, Nick, I was a competitive basketball player, but Nick was a um, competitive jujitsu practitioner. And, you know, he's a guy who, who literally has messed up elbows because he's never tapped out in his life in various different things. He's had his elbows broke because he's just a guy that doesn't really tap out. He doesn't suffer. And that may seem a little extreme and it's definitely irrational, but startups are irrational. And so we, we've really instituted a culture of kind of this underdog mentality that I like. Now there's obviously some downsides to it, but we've been able to, to make up for that. So Love it. Henry's right. One of the things we do, we focus on very much applied engineering talent rather than some rich kid who's got a really cool degree from a really nice university <laughs> uh, who doesn't like to get their hands dirty. Awesome. Jay, tell us uh, why you chose to work with uh, new fund and, and new stack. So I'll start with, with new fund. It's almost the exact same answer that, that Henry gave. There's actually a lot of investors that are 
have this, this kind of fake facade and don't really engage with you. And there's obvious tells in how they communicate to you what they're interested in, where they're going, and where they really create value. But the openness that Henry came in with and our ability to have a really honest conversation where we just clicked was, was, was great. So that was on the personal side. With Henry, I confessed to him very directly, I needed someone who was the previous founder who understood the startup game, the mentality that someone that I could pick up the phone and call as a true advisor. That honest communication going from founder to previous founder with an exit and now and now investor was important. I think that the location was actually important for us. You have to remember we're a Canadian company. And so having someone who's on the ground and connected in San Francisco is a benefit, despite some of the comings and goings of San Francisco. So that was that was really important. And ultimately, I trust my gut probably more than people would like. And so I just really liked and respected Henry uh, quite a bit. With you, <laughs> with Newstack, I also liked you right off the bat. We had a couple Zoom calls and as kind of taking like a meta, uh, being meta aware of the conversation as it was happening, it was interesting to see how you were vetting me. Some of the first questions was directly trying to assess my ability to lead the team, essentially saying, is this guy any good before we even get into the company? And that's what I, <laughs> recognizing that I thought it was a really interesting strategy. I thought that was, it was really valuable because in my perspective, you know, despite being somewhat young like and new to the game, founders do have also a, a I don't want to say a keen eye, but a, but a sense of, of which companies are doing well and, and the reasons why they're doing well. And I tend to believe that a lot of determinants of success at an early stage company is based on the founders. And the fact that you were really trying to vet me and understand myself and my leadership skills and, and the team was really exciting. Now, that's just the social side, personal side. I just really liked you. Um, I like Chester as well. The more uh, strategic advantage was New sack and the, the full ratchet. We we asked the question, okay, it's our job to deliver on these various milestones to be able to to get to the next phase to raise a series A, series A and grow the company. And it was very clear that New Stack was an investor that had a proven track record of being able to take these companies, provide the right right advice, but has has a specific value around preparing someone to raise a series A. And that was really exciting for us because again. We're based in Toronto. Toronto doesn't have the most developed venture capital industry. And so we needed to surround ourselves with the right people. And that's really why I fell in love with, with both you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we look forward to, to rolling up our sleeves there and, uh, and getting to work. But before we wrap up, can you just give us a sense for your progress to date uh, with Curve and maybe your funnel opportunities and near-term focus? Yeah, yeah. I'll try not to... When you have a large B2B business, it's easy, it's easy to kind of name drop people in the funnel and, and talk about what you're doing, but I'll, I'll try to refrain from that. Right now, we have an API business where we're just around 400,000 US ARR. We expect to be able to breach a million ARR over the next 10 to 12 months. The groups in our funnel make up some of some notable connected fitness companies. I don't want to name drop, but like Peloton, Equinox, we're talking to these groups. Equinox not necessarily being a connected fitness company, although they are very much our frontier technology focused. We're also talking to very large players in this space who could give us kind of the, the breadth we're looking for. So FIFA is an interesting example. We've been invited to fly over and meet FIFA at their, their headquarters. They've developed a new innovation kind of layer in their organization. And they're focused on one of their pillars is, is very much focused on ensuring player safety as it should be. And so a lot of their grassroots soccer organizations across the world don't have a lot of money to be able to spend, don't have a lot of money for all these expensive wearables. And so 
if they could have a software solution that their grassroots could download and, and implement injury management assessments that are literally being used for professional organizations, that's a big value add. And so we're talking to large groups like that. Again, we've already gone over this, but the thesis really is for us to own more of the upside. The thesis of this investment round is to develop out our SaaS offering, our web and mobile platform, and get this in the hands of the actual clinicians ourselves with our own products rather than licensing an API. And we think there's there's a massive opportunity for that. We're already seeing the market pull from various different groups, whether it be hospitals that are thinking about building an entire new gate lab, but it costs them multiple, you know, several million dollars to do. And a lot of that being just hardware versus them working with us to be able to deploy it and create more efficiencies and save a lot of time in the hospitals towards more, but more of the, the payers. There's a lot of insurance companies that are turning on these really very novel reimbursement pathways for digital therapies that are really exciting. And of course, there's a lot of consumers out there that really struggle with just musculoskeletal pain and that are growing up in a digital world and are looking for digital solutions. So uh, we have a lot of green grass to go play in and a lot of fertile ground. And, and my job is to be laser focused, de-risk those markets and really focus on um, hitting the milestones so we can raise our next round and continue to grow. Very good. And Henry, uh, any other final thoughts on Curve? I had a thought when Shay was talking about, like, you know, why uh, why he chose a new stack. So, so I'm not I'm not answering your question directly. The reason why I sent you the Curve deal was because we already worked are working together on two investments, and I know that the founders are, are raving about new stack. And there, there is this thing in uh, in venture where, you know, like there isn't, and there should be some kind of a uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but you know, Hippocrates oath you know, like do no harm. Mm. And the investor you choose are basically becoming, you know, like partners in the business. And whether in Iberia or elsewhere, you know, there's a few horror stories about choosing investors that sometimes will be more detrimental to the company than anything else. And so this capacity that the chair has, you know, like, I wonder if we chose him or if he chose us. <laughs> of, you know, <laughs> selecting the right set of people and, and joining, you know, like the, the, the Curve family was a, a super important element. Now, the, the one final thought I, I could have is, uh, you know, hoping that the Raptors are going to uh, win the game tomorrow so that uh, they can get back to work. I'm so excited. I've told everyone that, you know, if you come in a little bit late, if the Raptors win a little bit late on Friday, you will not get in trouble. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, it's exciting times here, and and it really, it really kind of makes what we do very clear to people we talk to now when they when they see these you know multi million dollar athletes falling because they've had a really in, a very serious injury. It's um, it's very visceral. Yeah, yeah, KD going down that was that was a sad thing to watch. But guys, I think the final thoughts were good. This has been a fun session. I'm glad we had a chance to do it and kind of review the investment thesis from both sides. You know, look forward to rolling up the sleeves and, and getting to work and being a part of this great story at Curve. So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you.